0: I'm going to do a two-part message uh, this Wednesday and next Wednesday on giving God the glory he deserves, giving God the glory uh, that he deserves. What, all is that, what does all that mean? Uh, it's a great song, but what does it mean? Acts chapter number 12, and uh, we're going to begin reading in verse number 20, And uh, but this is such a serious subject. Can I pray before we read the word together? Can we humble our hearts? Father, thank you that we have a Bible. Thank you that it is your word, it is you speaking. And God, we come and uh, as a church, we open it together. And Lord, we want to know what it means to give you the glory that you deserve. Uh, Thank you for writing it down for us and showing us in the word. And God, I pray that uh, we would all have uh, ears that would hear, we would have hearts that would be receptive, that the, that the word could be uh, implanted, grafted in us, Lord, that we could hide the word in our heart, that we not sin against you, but God, we bring you glory through our daily lifestyles, and so I give you praise tonight, and I thank you uh, for this Wednesday night service, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Would you stand, please, as I begin in verse number 20? I'm going to read through the 13th chapter, verse 4. You do know that the chapter divisions are not inspired. Uh, Here's what the Bible says Now, Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, but they came to him with one accord, and having made Blastus, the king's personal aide, their friend, they asked for peace because their country was supplied with food by the king's country. So on a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration to them. The people kept shouting, the voice of a god and not a man. Then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him, because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms. John MacArthur in his study Bible, I just read it out there a while ago. John MacArthur in his study Bible says, history says, that he was in terrible torment for five days before he died, as the worms would eat him, and he died. Verse 24, but the word of God grew, multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when well, they had fulfilled their ministry, and they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Now, in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetriarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work of To which I have called them, then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away for their missionary journey. Thank you for standing, and you can be seated, please. Giving God the glory that he deserves, I really of late uh, have a burden and really a conviction and a desire to make a difference in this current day, uh, to really help me understand and help other people understand really that our entire lives should be giving glory to God all the time, all the time. I'll be honest, I've never been more challenged in my spiritual leadership and my personal walk with God to try to help in, to, for God to influence me first so that I might influence others that God be glorified and people really come to a biblical understanding what Christianity is all about. There's one statement that Charles Spurgeon made that inspires me, but at the same time it troubles me. Spurgeon said this, Be a shepherd that feeds the flock instead of a clown that entertains the goats. My, what a statement. I don't want to be a clown in the pulpit. I want to be a shepherd that feeds the flock. And as a believer, you know this the Bible teaches that our number one priority as a believer is to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength so that our daily lives and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Jesus added that in the New Testament so that our daily lives should bring honor and exalt the Son of God that that we might bring Him the glory that He deserves. The word glory, it simply means to bring honor, to bring praise, uh, to make Him the main attraction of your life. Let me just stop and ask a question. Is Jesus Christ the main attraction in your life? Anything else that he is is an idol. And if he's not the main attraction of my life, there's no way that him in me and through me can bring glory to himself. I'll give you a couple of examples. When Christ came the first time as a babe, what did the angels they declared glory to God in the highest. And the entire life and ministry of Jesus Christ was to live out the Father's life and to bring glory to the Father. And you know that giving God glory is a command for a believer from the Bible? It will not be on the screens for you, but just listen carefully. 1 Corinthians 6.20, you've been bought with a the price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. So the glory of God is a, really is the whole purpose of Christianity. The reason God saved you and I was to bring him glory. Not just to wait till we get to heaven, but on earth. That's why he put himself in us on earth. So he saved us to live in us so that when he lives out of us, John 15 says, that the Father be glorified. So giving God the glory that he deserved. This passage starts, I started in the, right in the middle of it where Herod, he was bringing persecution toward the church and the Bible says he did not give glory to God. But then the Bible makes a big transition and explains how that the people there at the church at Antioch really were bringing glory to God. And bringing glory to God, as I studied this, is much different than you would think if you stay in context and study the Bible. And we see from the church at Antioch what it really means and how Christians are to give glory to God. See, giving glory to God is much more than me lifting my hands when we sing, although I do that. Giving glory to God is much more than coming to the Wednesday night service, although I do that. Notice with me what giving glory to God is in the context here it's being disciplined in the Word of God brings God glory. This is unpopular preaching, but it's Bible preaching. Being disciplined. Verses 24 and 25, but the word, God killed Herod, but the word of God grew and multiplied. God killed Herod because he would not give him glory. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says he resisted him, he, he struck him, he reduced him, the worms ate him. What a way to go! Goodness. And he removed him so that the work of God could stay on track. And that the people of God could continue to give God glory. And listen, after all I've witnessed as a Christian, why would I not want to be disciplined in the Word? After all that you and I have seen. So these believers here at Antioch, this is so interesting to me. If there's a church that we need to model prospect after, it's Antioch. These these people here were the first believers to be called Christians. It's because they had such a desire and a uh, and a motivation, and they made a decision about the ministry of God's word in their personal lives. They were not called Christians because they attended church. They were not listen. They were not even called Christians because they were moral people. They were not called Christians because they were nice to people around them. Although we ought to do all those things, but that's not why they called these people Christians. Do you know that um, all those things were true about them? But we find out in Acts 11, and when he, that's Barnabas, had found Saul, he brought him to Antioch. Listen to this. So it was that for a whole year, they assembled with the church and taught a great many people, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch, because of their desire and reception and discipline that they were taught the word of God. I mean, even even under this harsh persecution, they assembled for an entire year, and the the Bible says they were first called Christians. There's only three references where the word Christian is mentioned in the Bible, only three. One here in this context in, in Acts when Paul said that he almost persuaded Agrippa to become a Christian, and the other one is in the context of suffering for the glory of God. Suffering for the glory of God. See, we've, I'm afraid that we've allowed our culture and our country to define what a Christian is instead of the Bible. We can't do that. A Christian, a real Christian, is a person where Christ has become their entire life. You don't add Jesus on to what you do. He didn't come to be an add-on. He came to take over. When he becomes your entire life, and then that person is becoming disciplined or a disciple Of the word of God so that Christ can live his life through them as they obey and surrender to biblical teaching. That's what a Christian is. It's much different than the world would would define it. Do you know that 80% of America claims to be Christian? I just want you to stop and think about that for just a second. 80% of Americans claim to be Christians. If that's true, why is our country more immoral than we've ever been? Why are we declining morally? It's because people don't understand what a Christian is. People believe if you believe in the death, burial, resurrection of Christ, you're a Christian. No, the devil does all that. That's not at all what a Christian is. It's somebody that God gets inside of through a supernatural act of His divine grace, when I'm willing to respond and repent and receive Him, and then He begins to disciple me by the Spirit from the Word. That's what a Christian is. Notice there's a discipline to know the Word. Y'all okay? Goodness. I just want to make sure y'all hear tonight. Just say amen, I'm here. Just say we're with you, preacher. (laughs) This is what brings God glory because he's put his name on his word. It's a discipline to know the word. The word grew. The Bible says the word grew. It doesn't mean that their copy, they didn't have much of a copy of the Bible then. It did not mean that it got larger. It means that the truth of the word increased or was enlarged in the people. At the church at Antioch, and the the Word took root and began to produce spiritual fruit. How do you know if you know the Word? Well, you have to have a discipline to get in it privately and personally. I love the Bible, and I know you love the Bible. But there's still a part of me that don't want to get in the Bible. Are you all with me? It's a discipline. It's a discipline. You have to be disciplined to, to assemble where it's taught and preached, which is, the, which is what's implied in this text. They had teachers, and it lists them out. Now, I'm going to explain the difference, and I don't want you to hear me say something that I did not say. I believe that it's one thing for me to personally, and I believe that this is first base, that I am to take the Bible on my own as a Christian every day, personally and privately, and get with God and allow the Holy Ghost to speak and minister to me. I don't believe you can know the Bible apart from that happening. You can't know God apart from the Bible. You can't bring God glory apart from the Bible. But also, we're also taught in the Scriptures, and this is what has been where the lines have been blurred, we're also taught in Scripture that we're to meet together as a church and hear the word together, to be taught to the church. Now, here's, what I, here, here's where I want to be careful. I'm in no way elevating myself by making this statement. But I do want to emphasize the spiritual calling and the gifting of God of a pastor-teacher. I do want to emphasize that. God calls a man. Let me emphasize, first of all, man. God's never called a woman to be a pastor teacher of a local church. God calls a man and then gifts that man supernaturally with a spiritual endowment to begin to understand and know the word So that that man then can feed the flock instead of entertaining goats. You say, how do you know that? Well, if you go to the book of Ephesians, I'm saying you have to have both. I have to have my personal time, but I've got to have my, I don't like the word corporate, but I don't know what else to say. Corporate time with the church around the word. Listen to what Ephesians says, and he himself Gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastor teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come, listen to what it says, to the unity of the faith. That's a body of doctrine, that's not action. That's till we all come unified around the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect or complete man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And this church at Antioch met together for a year and heard the word together. Listen, over and over and over so they could know it. I'm just here to tell you, Baptists do not know the Bible. We got a generation of preachers that don't know the Bible. God, help me not to be one of those. I want to know it, and we're losing a generation that, that has the discipline to prioritize the assembly of the church to hear the word so they can know it. And the number one reason our country is declining spiritually is because the church has given in to the culture. And the church is believing that less is more. And it's not true. It's a lie. The word is clear. You see, listen, you need to hear the word as you get it personally, privately you need to hear the word in a smaller context in a small group you need to hear the word in the corporate group listen under the ministry of the pastor teacher that's the way God designed it again I'm not elevating me I'm elevating the gift that God gives to men and the word is very clear that, that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together but that we're to provoke one another to love and the good works and listen People that fail to prioritize the assembly to hear the word will not know the word to their full potential. The result is not bringing God the glory he deserves. Why why, why are we, and again, I'm just trying to give us some facts to help us to see the urgency of this. Why are we the most biblical, illiterate generation in history? Let me just tell you some crazy stuff people believe today. I mean, there's people believe that when people die, that the deceased one becomes an angel. God help us. I see it on social media all the time. I just want to scream through the screen. So and so got their angel wings today. No, they didn't. There's a world of difference. It's because we don't know the Bible. I'm not mad. I'm just. People are nuts, man. I mean, it's just craziness. But knowing the word for the majority of the people that profess to be a Christian is not a priority. It ought to be the priority for every Christian. Y'all lean in with me just, just for a second. Man, I love y'all with all my heart. That's the reason I preach the way I do. I want every one of you to consider coming to VBS if you're not serving to the adult session in this room. And invest four or five days, evenings, I'm going to take 10 verses out of the Bible and teach and preach on 10 verses all week. And it's about the battle that everybody's in. Because we think when we get in a fuss with our wife that she's the problem. No. Not according to the scripture. Listen. Listen. If you want to get on your phone or iPad, this is the only time you can do this ever in church. And if I see anybody else doing it at any other time, I'll call you out and say, stop it. Get your phone out your iPad and register right now. Go to prospectbaptist.com, hit register for VBS. We, We just ought to have a registry night. Amen. And bring your kids and your grandkids. Dear God, folks, listen to me. If we can't give God four or five days out of a... Out of a year to come together as a church to focus on the Bible, there's something bad wrong with us. We can, you can, and I hope that you will do everything. Secondly, let me say this about the word being a priority. And I'm not I'm not grinding any axes, I'm just trying to illustrate. When there's something secular that's a priority. I'll move heaven and earth to do it. I'll sacrifice. I'll pay a high premium. Let me just confess. Can I just, I'll use me as an example. I went to the Coca-Cola 600. I did. God knows I did. Cody went with me. He drugged me over there. <laughs> it's him, God. We had, a, we had a blast. I left here Sunday afternoon, or we did at one30 now, I would never miss church for the Coca-Cola 600. But we normally take off on Sunday night. And so I said, I'm going to go to the Coca-Cola 600 because I love racing. We left here at 1.30, went over there. It rained all afternoon. You know what we did? It rained all afternoon. We sat there. We ate the buffet behind us and sat there. And just got bloated and felt Awful. And they called it off and they said, it'll be at three o'clock tomorrow. What'd we do? We went back and did the same thing and got there at two and left at nine thirty. And people come to the house of God and go, I heard, I just heard this recently, somebody just left our church because we don't get finished in time. They told me that, here's what I said to them, if they came to get out, they came for the wrong reason, I thought you come to get in. Amen. Amen. But can you see where we, where, we're, where we got hypocrisy in our priorities? I mean, four or five of us moved heaven and earth to go to the Coca-Cola 600. We did, we went back Drove how many ever hours? Four hours. Spent money. Time. Loved every minute of it. <laughs> Amen. Pulled pork and good gracious. <laughs> Felt awful the next day. Amen. Have I made my point? Priorities. Whatever's a priority, I'll put everything into it that I have to. I'm just encouraging you, know the Bible as a priority. Make knowing the Bible as a priority. Secondly, it's a discipline to grow. The Bible Bible says the word grew and it multiplied. Well, this is incredible. This means to become full-grown, rich, something out of the ordinary. And I began to ask myself a question. I said, Lord, does our church want to know the Bible and grow in the Bible enough that we not become a status quo assembly of believers that falls into the 72%, listen to this, 72% of churches that have no idea why they meet and they're declining at a rapid pace. I don't want to do that. And I know you don't either, you wouldn't be here. But what's the underlying issue? Why does a church decline? Why does it die? People aren't growing. Listen, you get Jesus in you and He begins to, he begins to uh, graft the Word of God in you. It does something to you, man. It, it really does. And, and uh, are, you grow, are you growing in your walk with the Lord? Is the Word of God multiply? How do you grow? Well, you've got to eat. I think this is pretty good. What would happen, is, I think, yeah, here it is. What would happen if you fed yourself physically the amount you feed yourself spiritually? Now, looking around, we've prioritized eating physically. Pulled pork. Pulled pork, that's right. But if I if I fed myself physically The amount that I feed myself spiritually. Are we spiritually growing? Here's what people said years ago. Yeah, all them people come down there and there's no way that they can disciple them. I've got news for you. There's no way you can disciple anybody if they don't have a desire for the Word. But if somebody's got a desire from the Word and they know it and they begin to grow, God disciples them, the Holy Spirit. And we just come, this is what happened at Antioch. We just come alongside to provoke them, to help them, to encourage them, to exhort them. See, the Word is what makes a healthy Christian. And every time there's an opportunity, if possible, I encourage you to be a part of it. I got this scripture. I love this scripture. As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge, through knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises that through, that's the Bible, that through these you may be partakers. In other words, through the Bible, you become a partaker of the divine nature. That's Jesus Christ. So that you can escape the corruption that's in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And to virtue knowledge. Can you see the growing and the knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And the brotherly kindness, love. And look at this. For if these things are yours and abound. In other words, if you're growing in the Bible. You will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. For he who lacks these things. In other words, the person that doesn't grow is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that they've been cleansed from his sins. So why is growing so important? Well, when you grow, your salvation from God stays fresh. Are you with me? You're refreshed in who God is and what he's done for you and you allow God to produce his life th- through you. But listen, when, you, when, when I fail to grow, I'm going to use me. When I fail to grow, Brother Stoney, do you have trouble doing your quiet time? Yes, every day. It's a discipline. It is a desire, but it's a discipline also. But when you fail to grow, you can't even see what, you become short-sighted. In other words, you can't see past your hand spiritually even to blindness, and you you get carnal and you forget that you're even saved and cleansed from your sins. How can we reverse this? Keep assembling to know and to grow. And lastly, show the word. And Barnabas, I'm going to hurry because I want us to pray. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and they took John whose surname was Mark. And so when you're knowing and you're growing, it shows. Listen, when you're not growing and knowing, it shows. It really does. And when God saves us, he calls us to be salt and light to the world, to show the world that Christ is really will. How how do we show if we're growing? It's in the context of the church assembly. How do we do that? It's a personal connection to the body. People that refuse, and we have a lot of them. I'm not saying they're here tonight, but they may be. People that refuse to get connected are refusing to know and grow in the Lord. You say, what do you mean? I'm I'm just talking about just getting connected to the body life of the church. It helps you grow. It helps you know where you spend time with other believers. Here's what people say about the church, this church in particular. they said it for years and they'll keep saying it for years to come. That church is just too large. How many of y'all heard that? Ask it again. How many of y'all heard that? If we get three times, we'll get the right answer. How many of y'all heard that? I got to thinking about that, and here's, what I've, here's the conclusion that I've come to. If I could take a survey among our congregation, I'm not going to, but if I could, and ask those that are connected if it's too large. You know what the answer would be? Absolutely not. See, it's only the people that aren't connected that say it's too large. One guy, I was talking to a guy yesterday in a large church. He said, we got, and we got a lot of people on our membership we can't find. We really do. But he said something I never thought of. He said, but oh, if they have a problem, they'll find you. And you know what? We'll be there. Because that's what the church does. It's who we are. But does it, in a passionate concern for other people, does it really matter to be connected and to influence somebody? Now, from the Bible, here's all that I know about Barnabas. Somebody else may have studied it deeper than I. Barnabas did split off from Saul when when, from Paul, when, when Paul took Mark with him on a missionary journey and Mark wanted to come back home and got homesick, Paul said, he's not going with me again. Uh, that's it. That's just the guy Paul was. They split. But do you know who Barnabas from this passage went and got? He went and got Saul of Tarsus. The scriptures only record that Barnabas influenced one person. But he influenced the right one. Because his influence in Saul of Tarsus, he was called the son of encouragement. The influence of Barnabas in Saul of Tarsus, God changed his name to Paul And Paul gives us, I believe, 13 books of the New Testament. And at the judgment seat of Christ, when all that really matters matters, I believe Barnabas will be the guy that is called to the forefront and given crowns for investing. In the greatest missionary, the greatest probably preacher other than John the Baptist, the greatest Christian that we know of, the Apostle Paul, and it was all because of one man influenced him. Listen, it's not about how many people you influence. It's about influencing the right one. Amen. And that's what took place here. And Barnabas influenced him. And, and, and see, as a Christian, I'm never allowed to keep anything for myself. I mean, if I read something in the Bible, yeah, it's for me, and I apply it, but then I'm to give it to somebody else to help them. I mean, Paul said it to Timothy, the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, the same commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That's where we failed. That's where I've failed. Who are you concerned enough about to influence and invest in? The greatest way you'll bring glory. I'll, I'll give you the second part next week. And we'll talk about being devoted to the work of God here. One of the greatest ways you can bring glory to God is you begin to know your Bible. You begin to grow. Because if the, when the Word gets in you, I mean, the psalmist said, if it gets in you, it keep you from sinning. That word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Here, here's, the, here's the prayer tonight. Here's the prayer focus. God, give me more of a desire for the Word. God, I want to know the Word. I want to grow in the Word. I want to be a real Christian and a disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen, church. Let's all stand together. Go we'll have some soft music. This altar is going to be open. And I just want to encourage you to spend just a few minutes at the altar or at your seat, wherever, just praying about your relationship to God in the Word. However, you need to pray that. God, help me know it. Lord, help me grow. Just tell God, here I am. Help me to grow and know and show it and be connected. And I think we all. We all could use some help in this area. Amen. Let's respond to the Lord tonight. God bless you. you.